greetings everyone and welcome to season two episode seven of the universal freemason podcast i am your host jt asher i'm president and founder of the universal freemason research society which is a non-profit educational organization created to share masonic philosophies to the masses as a means to improve society as we improve ourselves. As usual, the Tyler has been dismissed, and this podcast is open to all, and there are no secrets here. <laughs> okay. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining me again. Uh, I hope you have been uh, well and happy since we were last here electronically together. Uh, it is Mental Health Awareness Month here in the United States. And uh, I, uh, after a year of a, a pandemic, the isolation that we all went through, and this is actually worldwide, um, and many of us dealing with... Uh, deaths of, uh, and illnesses of our loved ones or friends. Uh, it's not hard to imagine at all that the collective mental health of all of us worldwide is frail at this point, although there is some glimmers of hope with the vaccine seeming to work in many cases. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've not been shy about reporting the frailty of my own mental health in my writings, and uh, uh, I've spoken some in this podcast regarding the debilitating effects that I feel uh, when when I have bouts of PTSD and anxiety, and uh, this sometimes uh, uh, takes me where it's difficult to find interest in almost anything, and it's draining of energy, and you can't hardly even want to do anything um uh, for me it's been helpful very helpful to become self-aware of the moments when i feel a ptsd or anxiety trigger uh, and when i feel that coming on when i when i'm aware of it and i feel it it allows me to make better choices regarding how to manage both or either uh, in the moments that they occur and sometimes one piggybacks on the other. So, uh, and that means that for me, taking a moment to breathe, uh, taking a moment to say a, a med meditative prayer, uh, or whatever it takes otherwise to get through it uh, at that moment, you know, play some music or something, uh, helps me to get through it. And, uh, you know, we then we go forward. So, um, my point is that it's not okay that, well, excuse me. <laughs> My point is that it is okay uh, to not be okay sometimes. Uh, but to be aware of how we are all coping in the moment, it is important uh, so that we can manage our emotional well-being a lot better. And I also urge anybody, um, don't hesitate to reach out for help if you're feeling very overwhelmed. There's uh, 
an abundance of apps out there now and uh, advice from professionals are, are a phone call away. Uh, just go and Google your mental health help and you will find that quickly. Um, and I wish you the best in, uh, in dealing with it if you're suffering with, uh, with bad mental health. As I said, fortunately, it seems like there's some light at the end of the tunnel for many of us in the United States. We're starting to open up a little bit more fully. People are um, able to get into out of the house now. <laughs> so the vaccines are working. If you're not vaccinated for COVID-19, for God's sakes, please, 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 for the sake of society, go get your vaccination. It's quick and easy, and uh, really the side effects aren't as bad as uh, a lot of people let on. Uh, like I said, for me, the second shot of Moderna, for me and my wife, the second shot of the Moderna vaccine, yeah, it put us down for a while. We were tired, but it meant that it was working, and uh, we feel great now. Okay, uh, and now switching gears on a completely different subject and level, uh, I want to take a moment to talk about YouTube a little bit. Namely, YouTube regarding the Universal Freemason YouTube channel. And the videos we have there, uh, the slides basically is really what they are. Uh, and I really haven't explained reasons why production of that has ceased, at least for the time being. I went through and made uh, quite a few videos a few years ago, quite a few slides, really. And so that's, that's ended for now. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why. Now, you know, sometimes I close the podcast and I'll make mention hurriedly that a YouTube production has stopped, but I never really delved into a good explanation. So there are two reasons, and uh, let me give you the first one. Uh, the time that it takes to create the slides uh, and do the editing and the voiceovers, it takes an enormous amount of time. Uh, keep in mind uh, that I also work a full-time job, and I care for myself and my wife, and we both have our, our share of health issues. So at this time, it's not really feasible to make good slides, you know, and have good content on YouTube in the short amounts of time that I have to uh, produce that kind of content. And I've learned, and I'm striving to keep up with this, but I've learned to, to uh, follow a lesson that Pike taught in uh, chapter one of Morals and Dogma with the symbolism of the 24-inch gauge, and that's to divide uh, our days out into to three eight-hour segments, and uh, which is this. It's, it's, it's roughly this, anyway. Uh, to designate eight hours for work, including Masonic works, eight hours for rest and refreshment, and eight hours for family. And uh, family and, and rest and refreshment often intermingle uh, for me as my wife is the most important uh, aspect of my life and uh, 
caring for her uh, takes priority. So, you know, it's usually time with me and my wife, time at work, time for sleeping, all of that ends, ends a, a good day. And if I keep that in balance, I find that I'm most happy. If I'm doing too much Masonic work and not enough uh, productive work at home or uh, on my job, I'm a little bit out of balance there and I'm not as happy and, you know, trouble can ensue. If I'm not caring for my wife correctly and spending too much time on Masonic things and too much time at work, then of course trouble ensues at home and no one, and you know, I don't want that. And, uh, you know, happiness at home means happiness in life. <laughs> so that's something that um, took me years to figure out, but uh, hey, I'm there now. So anyway, that's the first reason. Uh, reason two. Uh, production is stopped on the YouTube channel uh, uh, slides and videos. Now, reason two is this. The toxicity that exists in YouTube world uh, is something that I am not willing right now to respond to. Now, back when I started posting videos, I would start seeing, and you got to remember, this is probably a good, I'd say six years ago, maybe eight. Uh, maybe my timeline's way off, but it was a long time before the toxic environment since uh, the since Trump, basically, I'll just say it, has uh, come into play. And when that happened four years ago, it seemed like anything that was toxic underlying became toxic to the surface, became more, uh, shall I say, in your face. And when I would first post the videos that long ago and the slides, I would get a few comments about, you know, a negative comments, and it would be in passing. And it was, uh, there were few enough where I could delete them and go on with my day. As time went on and as things got toxic culturally in the United States, um, those comments became more and more so. And what I would find is I would just sit there with these comments and just get triggered and leave what should be a peaceful time doing my Masonic works became just, you know, I'm pissed off now, and I don't even want to look at it, you know, I got to delete this now, you know, and sometimes I'd respond to, but it just never made sense to respond to these, because it's just one side isn't willing to learn, they're too wrapped up in what somebody has told them Freemasonry is. And usually, or it might be something they heard at church that Freemasonry is and how evil it is. Um, I'm going to share an example. And, and this one's actually not that horrifying. It's not as bad as most. This guy, I'm going to read you a quote that I actually did delete. And he begged me not to, and, his, and you'll, you'll, I'll read that part too. But he begged me not to, to, not to delete this. I deleted it anyway because there were too many errors in there to keep it up. So, um, so here it goes. I'm gonna, this is from, uh, I'm just going to use a first name. This is from Peter. And it starts like this. this is, I'm quoting. 
from Peter. I'm not a Freemason, so I guess take what I say with a grain of salt. But first of all, this man, he's referring to, he's commenting on a, on a slide that I wrote about uh, Pike, uh, Albert Pike. He's saying that this man was a founding member of the KKK. Not that I'm trying to say he's a racist, so we shouldn't take him seriously, but that in his time, he was well respected among uh, his people, and they took him seriously. Secondly, he was among the top-ranking top Masons, so as a top-ranking Mason and as a man of great respect within his community in his time, his words should be taken seriously regarding the subjects he's referencing. Third, everyone knows those everyone knows those not in Freemasonry, and especially those in Freemasonry, that a quote low-level Mason, you don't know that as a low-level Mason, you don't know Jack. If you think about this logically, there really there's re a really good reason for this. He, he writes. If Scientologists were to drop the Xenu bomb on level one initiates, they'd run out there, run out of there screaming. I think the same could be said here. If you're not high enough level to be in the know, then actually then you actually don't know, and if you are high enough level to know, you're sworn to secrecy to sworn to secrecy upon pain of death. And well frankly, there's no way a high-level Mason would admit to something like this out in the open. This book was written, speaking of uh, morals and dogma, this book was written by a Mason for Masons, not for lay people. I think once you're level 30, you come to a crossroads where after years of warming to the, to the magic and mystery, either you're like, huh? All this makes sense now, Lucifer, yeah, or you're like, hell to the no. <laughs> Either way, I think Pike's words should be taken literally. Please don't delete my comment. I I'm sorry, Peter, but I deleted your comment. <laughs> and I'll tell you, and I'll explain why. Um, the reason why Peter's comment got deleted from YouTube, and, and you got to remember I see it probably, in the time I've had the YouTube account, I have seen literally um, dozens of things just like this, but the one thing I'll give Peter credit for is he actually did uh, try to make a well-thought-out post based on his knowledge of, of Freemasonry, um, which seems to be secondhand and seems to be in a negative light. Um, First of all, one of the fallacies that Peter ran into is one of the is the same fallacy that most people, well, a lot, I wouldn't say most, that a lot of people run into about Pike is this belief that somehow he was a founding member of the KKK, which is absolutely false. Uh, there is no historical evidence to that effect. Um, I am not a Pike apologist, and I, and I have said this more than once. Uh, Pike was a general in the Confederacy during the American Civil War. 
the Confederacy stood up to keep slavery uh, as a legal act in the United States. The Union Army job was to uh, stop slavery, one of their jobs, was to slop, stop slavery and to, uh, to abolish the, uh, uh, the, I guess, the insurgency and a second, the uh, uh, attempt at having two countries in one, in, in, in one uh, state. Um, so therefore, at that time, we weren't the United States, we were divided. Boy, does that sound familiar? <laughs> anyway, uh, that's one thing that, that Peter has wrong. Uh, there is no, no, no historical evidence that Pike was a founding member of the KKK. That is a falsehood. That is not true. If it is true, there's no evidence to support it. So um, I'll leave that there. I don't agree with, like I, like I have said, and I'll repeat, I don't agree with Pike's involvement with the Confederacy. He made amends for that later in his life when the Civil War ended. Uh, he did his time for crimes that he committed, and he went on to be uh, uh, a, uh, more than an upstanding member of society as a man of his time. Did he still have prejudices? Did he write about race? Did he write regarding racist themes? As a man of his time, he certainly did. Pike also, uh, as a lawyer, stood up for Native American rights and land disputes with the federal government. So, just like all of us, there's this duality that we have this good and bad thing that we do as human beings. We we try to do our best based on what we know. And I think that's really I think that's really where Pike was coming from. He did the best he could based on his time and what he knew. And uh, what was culturally acceptable at that time is not culturally acceptable now. So we have grown, hopefully, as a country and as human beings. Um, and culturally, I, I Mostly culturally in the United States, I believe that we're, we've grown and I think we're still growing. But we have some time, some, we have a little ways to go. Um, one of the other fallacies that uh, Peter uh, has fallen into is that um, the higher up you go in Freemasonry, there's more, more and more secrets and um, there's some evil Lucifer stuff going on. And you don't know that Lucifer is the god of Freemasonry until you're, you know, the 30th degree or the 32nd degree, uh, which is also easily disproved uh, because um, available to all who wants to read it. And, uh, during, and in this podcast, too, uh, I'm reading from Magnum Opus, which is covering all the, the lectures from uh, I'm at the, today we're going to talk about the seventh degree. Uh, if you want to take time and read Magnum Opus, if you want to buy it, it's certainly available to the public. You can read each degree, and you can read Morals and Dogma, which also covers all 32 degrees. The 33rd degree is an honorary degree uh, bestowed upon persons that are uh, high up in society and have. Uh, made societal changes to society. But even that degree, you can find out what goes on there too. Uh, 
That's what I'm trying to convey, I guess, is there's really no secrets. <laughs> Everything is easily found out. So if you're hearing things about the how Freemasonry is evil from from the pew or coming from the pew pit, uh, the pulpit, uh, I would just I would just recommend do your own study, listen to podcasts like mine. I'm not going to hold. There's, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not holding anything back here. Okay. Um, all right. So. Moving on from that, see, this is why I don't do YouTube production anymore. It takes too much time to answer to this and too much time to produce. And you can just take so much of, of, of the fallacies and, and then it becomes tiring. <laughs> so, okay, so moving on. Uh, this podcast episode, by the way, is going to be a little longer than normal. Uh, but let's move on. Um, I guess, well, I, let me back up a little bit. Uh, will there be more YouTube production in the future? Uh, it's going to depend on what culture dictates. If we can get through the toxic toxicity and the toxic, toxic environment on YouTube um, with the comments, there's a possibility. But I'm, gonna, I'm not going to commit to anything right now. I'm fully in, uh, committed to this podcast. Uh, uh, I have enough time to produce it uh, between taking care of work and my wife. And so I can get these done on a Sunday and, you know, we can move on. But anyway, okay, now moving on. Uh, when we come back, after a word from our sponsor, Anchor Podcast App, we will take a look at the seventh degree lecture written by Albert Pike and Magnum Opus. Uh, while we're on break, ask yourself, uh, in, in imperfect human form, can we dispense perfect justice? Consider that. And we'll consider this question when we return. This is the Universal Freemason Podcast. I'll be right back. Okay. And I'm back. I am back. And and welcome back, everyone. And thank you very much for 4,500 plays of this podcast since March of 2020. Uh, again, I'm humbled by your interest in, in this podcast. And I thank you. I hope it's meaningful to you. Uh, hope, I hope that uh, after you listen to my rambles, I hope very much that you go away and, and are able to use some of the things that have been read here and been said here to improve your life. And uh, in turn, we can improve society as we improve ourselves, as I say. So thank you very much. So the seventh degree of Scottish Rite Freemasonry is known as Provost and Judge. And in this degree we explore, of all things, uh, justice. Now, let's take a moment and read from uh, A Bridge to Light and learn what Brother Rex Hutchins writes as a synopsis regarding the seventh degree from A Bridge to Light. And actually, uh, and this, this time, Brother Hutchins is giving a, a bit of a history lesson to begin. And I quote, Originally called 
Irish master. This degree was worked in France by Masonic lodges claiming possession of a charter from Ireland. The members of these Irish lodges asserted jurisdiction over ordinary lodges and maintained they had the right of inspection. The jewel of the Irish master's degree was a key symbolizing this authority uh, of inspection. When the right of perfection was formed in the mid-18th century, and these are the rites, the Scottish rite uh, rituals that we know now. Uh, when this right of perfection was formed, when the right of perfection was formed in the mid-18th century, this degree was incorporated as the seventh degree, and its name was changed to provost and judge. The ritual was modified by Pike to teach the moral lesson of justice. And that's Brother Rex Hutchins from A Bridge to Light. Uh, I read a few items that uh, when we talked about the histories that people who aren't familiar with lodge politics and procedures may not be familiar with. So let me explain a couple of things. Uh, when we talk about a charter, uh, that's a piece of paper that uh, every lodge room would, would have in it. And what it is, it's basically evidence, per se, that a lodge is operating under the authority of a grand lodge, a proven grand lodge. And the lodge that would have the charter uh, would be considered a regular lodge. In other words, uh, the, the lodge wasn't just made up in someone's basement under uncommon or unknown rules saying that they're masons, but really um, don't really have authority to have a masonic lodge. I hope that makes a little sense. It's, I know that it's tricky. Um, when we talk about the jewel, um, uh, we're talking about uh, the jewel uh, is a symbol in large form that hangs around a lodge officer's neck. Uh, so in this case, uh, it would have been a key symbolizing this degree. So uh, basically what you have is a necklace. It's, kind of, it's usually a blue rope. And on the blue rope, on the end of it, it has a hook. And on that hook, you can hook um, the uh, a large charm, which symbolizes the degree. And in most cases, too, it would symbolize the, um, the lodge officer's rank in the lodge. So if that makes sense. Um, okay, and forgive the forgive the uh, chainsaw in the background there. I'm out in the studio, and somebody decided this is a perfect time for them to do lumber, so pardon that. Um, now, we also learned from Brother Hutchins that Masonic rituals can and do change over the course of time. And in reality, the rituals performed can and often do even change from uh, jurisdiction to jurisdiction. And uh, so if I'm a, uh, a member of the Grand Lodge, let's say, of, um, of Utah, um, I might want to go visit a lodge in Michigan. And though we're still under the same, you know, a Grand Lodge of the United States, we're covered under, we can go to another lodge and visit. 
Um, I might be sitting through a degree in Utah, and then I go to Michigan, and that very same degree might have some tweaks in it that make it that make the degree more culturally appropriate to the people in that state or that city so that they can absorb the morals of that ritual better than uh, somebody that is in another city. So there, there can be tweaks. And basically it's a word or two or how someone would move around the lodge, um, things like that. There may even be different symbols too. Uh, so we've learned that too. So, so rituals aren't set in stone. They can change uh, time to time, rich, or, uh, jurisdiction to jurisdiction. Uh, we learned that the jewel basically is a necklace with a symbol on the end of it designating the degree. Most of the time it designates the lodge officer's rank. Um, and we learned what a charter is, which is basically an evidence per se that this lodge is working under um, jurisdiction of a grand lodge and it's proven to be a true lodge. Okay. Uh, all right. So uh, let's get back to the lecture. So we got that out of the way. Um, now this lecture for this degree is called provost and judge, as I mentioned. It used to be Irish master, they changed it to provost and judge. And we learned that the moral degree, uh, moral lesson of this degree is justice. And in a just world, or a just culture, there is an expectation of equality among all citizens, rich or poor, no matter the religious practices, uh, no matter political ideologies, no matter uh, elected to office or you are the elector, uh, the expectation of equality always remains the same in a just setting, in a just culture. Um, Brother Hutchins wrote down in this, uh, in A Bridge to Light, he also wrote uh, regarding this degree, uh, seven points regarding impartiality that a judge or one who enforces this equality should have. And these seven points, uh, Brother Hutchins writes, is uh, number one, a judge must himself be impartial, cautious, merciful, and of pure morals. Number two, only a false judge pardons errors in himself and not others. Number three, a judge must be aware of the grave responsibility he bears. I guess you should because you got other people's life in your hands, don't you? Uh, number four, a judge must inform himself fully of the law he is called upon to enforce. Number five, an unjust judge will be smitten by God. Number six, remorse will pursue the corrupt judge from beyond the grave. Well, that's a, that's a hell of a how you do, huh? And number seven, judge not unless you are willing to stand under the same judgment. I'll read number seven again. Judge not unless you are willing to stand under the same judgment. Unquote. Okay, now I posed a question before the commercial break, and I asked this question. In our imperfect form, are we able to dole out perfect judgments? 
And I think the answer is not really. And the reason for that is um, our biases certainly blind us to what is just in most cases. And in human form, we most certainly cannot rely on ourselves to have always acted in a just way at all times. So, for instance, if I'm judging your acts of inequality or injustices, I am then ignoring my own acts of the same. So is this perfect justice? That's a rhetorical question, and I think it's not. <laughs> okay, so we can't dole out perfect justice in a human form. I don't think it's possible. If I'm wrong, uh, you can DM me on Twitter and tell me how I am. Now, let's read what Pike writes in uh, Magnum Opus, Seventh Degree Lecture, regarding uh, justice, regarding the same. He says, he writes, Let us be just also in judging of others. Excuse me, let me start over. Let us be just also in judging of other men's motives. We know but little of the real merits or demerits of any fellow creature. We can rarely say with certainty that this man is more guilty than that, or even that this man is, a, is very good or very wicked, unquote. And that, that quote reminds me of a, a quote that I read from Bono of, uh, of Rock Band U2 uh, probably several years ago now. And it's, it stuck with me a long time. I think it was, I can even remember the magazine. I think it was Spin Magazine in one of the very early uh, interviews that you two did there. And Bono said that, quote, I ra rarely have met a righteous man who looked like one. <laughs> and uh, as I've uh, matured and have gone through life, I can see that. <laughs> I see that all the time. It seems like the more unrighteous you look, the more righteous you are. And it's, it's amazing how that works out. Uh, moving on. Pike writes in another part of the seventh degree lecture, um, and I like this very, very much. Uh, quote, the power of gentleness is too little seen in the world. The subduing influences of pity, the might of love, the control of mildness over passion, the commanding majesty of the perfect character which mingles grave displeasure with grief and pity for the offender. So it is um, that a mason should treat his brothers who goes astray. And he's saying with the gentleness, with the majesty of perfect character that mingles grave displeasure with grief and pity. He's saying that so it is that a mason should treat his brothers who goes astray, not with bitterness, nor yet with good-natured easiness, nor with worldly indifferences, nor with a philosophic coldness, nor with a laxity of conscience that accounts everything as well. So in other words, don't look the other way. Yeah, your brother may have screwed up, but let's be gentle with him. Let's, let's understand him. <laughs> and, and remember, um, Manly P. Hall wrote in uh, The Lost Keys of Freemasonry uh, that 
the true Mason is a brother to every living thing. So when we talk about treating your brother with gentleness, um, this does not start and end at the threshold of our lodges, right? We have to treat everyone this way. Everyone is our brother. Every, level, every living thing is a brother to us. If you're a true Mason, we have to treat everything with gentleness or we have to strive to do so. Now, Pike ends uh, the lecture of the seventh degree with the Bible passage uh, credited with Jesus saying, judge not lest ye be judged. Now, that's amazing. Now, um, if we think about it, <laughs> and unfortunately this being true, uh, it's against human nature to withhold judgment. And we are creatures of bias. And we are programmed to compare. So it is difficult to act in a way that is not fostering judgment towards others. But it is imperative that we try to act in a way where we do not judge others to have a better society. Okay, and that is episode seven, season two, seventh degree lecture. Uh, I hope this has been helpful and enlightening to you, and I thank you so much for taking time to listen. I am deeply, deeply grateful that you did take this time today. A little bit longer episode than normal. Thanks for sticking in there with it. Uh, please follow me on Twitter at you, the letter U, Freemason. And as I mentioned, you can DM me there. Uh, if you think that we can dole out perfect justice, please correct me and tell me how. <laughs> I'm not saying that we shouldn't try, but I'm saying tell me how it can be perfect. Uh, my name is J.T. Asher. This has been the Universal Freemason Podcast. Go in peace, so mote it be.